so this morning, we're going to continue the series that we have been on all summer long about praying the scriptures. And I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed thinking about how do we pray and not just read the passages of scripture that we get into. Our hope is that at the end of the summer, when we talk about, if I would say to you, I've been spending time in John lately, or I've been reading the Psalms lately. Our hope is that at the end of this summer, it's more likely that when I say that to you, I'm also meaning I'm praying it too. Now, what's the difference between reading a psalm or reading the Gospel of John and praying it, you might ask? I'm glad you asked. I would say the main difference for me, this will probably be different for all of us based on our wiring, but the main difference between reading Scripture and praying Scripture is relational. For me, when I read Scripture, it can often become merely informational. I love to learn things. I love to know things. It doesn't really matter the topic. But if I come to the scriptures primarily seeking information, they become just another textbook that I love to learn about. But as soon as I engage God in prayer, I move from the informational to the relational, where I'm connecting with him vertically and praying to him. And that's what our hope is for all of us this summer, is that as we do this, prayer would become more and more interaction with God. Our times in the scriptures would be relational and not just informational. So that's what I'm going to pray for us right now, that that could happen even now as we look at this passage in Numbers together, that it would be informational. I hope that there's some new things that you can learn, but ultimately my hope and desire is that you would experience the living God as we talk about the scriptures together. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you are near and that you are present. You have promised that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you will be there among them. Father, I pray for my friends, whether here on the lawn or at home. Lord, would you fill them with your spirit? Would you fill me? Would you make yourself very known to us this morning? Help us to hear you in your word. Help us to interact with you as we hear your word taught. Would you speak through me this morning, God? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Numbers, which is the fourth book of the Bible, if you're turning there in your Bible. Otherwise, if you have one of the bulletins, it's on the back, printed on the back. I'm going to read Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Numbers chapter 6, 22 to 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. I came across this passage. Since Easter, I've been working through the first five books of the Old Testament books of Moses. And I, when I came across this passage in the middle of this series on praying scripture, I knew I wanted to talk about it. And so for months, I've been thinking about it and meditating on it. And this is an unbelievably rich and life-giving passage. And I hope that you can feel that as well today. This, this blessing is known as the Aaronic blessing, as in Aaron. As you can see, this was given to Aaron and his sons. All you need to know about Aaron and his sons is that they served God's people as priests. They, they served God's people as priests. They ministered to them on behalf of God. 
Some of you have probably heard this blessing before. It's very common as a benediction, often at the end of a worship service. You'll hear a pastor pray this over the congregation. For me, as I've prayed it, it has continually reoriented me to what is good, to what is true, to what is beautiful about God and his promises. As I've been praying this over my family, over my kids at night, over my neighbors, and over my coworkers. Fun quick fact. I'm the detailed guy, so here's a detail. Two small silver scrolls, imagine like the size, maybe like of a cigarette, like a half of a pen length and about a pen width around. Two small scrolls were found in a burial cave in Israel that date back to the 6th or 7th century BC. And in those little scrolls that were found buried with the people were these exact words from this blessing. And believe it or not, Those little scrolls are actually the oldest pieces of scripture that we have intact. The oldest current piece of scripture that we have intact dating it is this blessing, which I think is amazing. And it's an indicator and shows us that God's people have been praying this for each other for centuries, not just for centuries, but for millenniums. They have been praying this for each other. The first thing I want to draw our attention to is something Robbie actually said during worship. He talked about the God being, God being the initiator and author. If you look at this, it's very obvious that God was the initiator of this blessing and he was the originator of these actual specific words. This is his idea, his words. Look at verse 22. It does not get any clearer than that. The Lord spoke to Moses. It was the Lord who gave them this blessing. Moses was this great leader of Israel, by the way. That's what you need to know about him for this morning. He was a great leader of Israel. God spoke these words to him. And then Moses spoke it to his brother, Aaron, and his sons, who I said were priests. And then they were told very specifically, say this to them. Say these words over them. Now, this might be a really too simple and maybe too obvious point, but I want us to sit here for one minute. God, the triune God who made all things, who has existed forever, who has all power and exists in all glory, has decided that he wants to bless his people. So much so that he told them that with actual words to actual humans. And even beyond that, he gave them very specific words so that they would know his intention to love them and to bless them and to do good to them. That's what our God is like. He loves his people and loves to do what is good for them. So much so that he would actually communicate directly to another human being about it. So it is the Lord that is the focus of this blessing. Look how the beginning of each line starts. The Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and so on. It is the Lord who gives us this blessing and it is the Lord who will bring it to pass. That focus and repetition is meant to drill that into us, that the Lord, the living God, is our hope. That God's people put their hope not in any human being and not in any human system, but in God. That he will take care of them and that he will bless them. And as we read this blessing and unpack it some more, what we're going to see is this. God is attentive. God is joyous. God is gracious and peace-giving to his people. And this blessing assumes that God is very near us. Near us right now as we gather to worship and near us as we do our lives each day. 
That is what tr- is true and real about who God is. He is near us and he is with us. I also want to point out before we go through it a little bit more phrase by phrase is that this blessing is actually in anticipation of what all of us would receive through the gospel of Jesus. This blessing is an anticipation of all that we would receive in and through Jesus. And it's actually a restatement of a promise that was given to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12 when Abraham was told to go and to trust God. He was given a promise that God would bless him, that he would make him into a people, and that all the people of the earth would be blessed through him. And then we get this repetition over and over again through the Bible of this promise that finally is fulfilled in Jesus when he comes. Listen to how the prophet Habakkuk puts it. He says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea, which is completely to the ends of the earth, that in Jesus all people, not just one group of people in one part of the world, could know him. So as we look at the blessing, if you have it before you, starting in verse 24, you can see that there are six requests. And those six requests are broken down into three pairs. And in, if we were able to read this in Hebrew, what we would see is that each request, each line, grows in length. There are more words and more syllables in each line that grow in length. And you get this sense of this blessing kind of building and building and building momentum until it comes to this final word, peace. And I hope that we can feel that as we go through it together. The first phrase and the first two pairings, the Lord bless you and keep you. And I want to try something this morning. This is definitely poetic and it's definitely written in a way that we can memorize it. So I want to take this first phrase and I would like everyone here and at home to say it out loud with me five times. We're going to try to get this to start sinking down into our soul, into our heart as we hear it this morning. Are you ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. 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 There you go. Line number one memorized. The Lord bless you and keep you. It's so short, but so packed with meaning. So there are a number of ways that we use the word bless in everyday language. Someone sneezes, we follow it with, God bless you. Someone this week said to me, oh, bless your heart, Jeff. That's a phrase that we use. We might say, uh, it's a mixed blessing. Or we might ask someone for their blessing on a new endeavor that we are about to undertake. Like I have fond and funny memories of asking Jess's parents for their blessing to ask her to marry me. But what do we actually mean by bless? I think if we're not careful, we just use it, but we don't really know what we mean by it. The best definition that I have heard, the simplest one, is that blessing and to bless is the projection of good into the life of another. Blessing is the projection of good into the life of another person. Now think about blessing then in contrast to cursing. If blessing is a projection of good into the life of another, then cursing would be the projection of evil and harm into the life of another. 
To bless someone is to will and to work for that which is truly good for them, that which would bring life to them and flourishing to them. And Jesus intends for all of us who are his apprentices to be people of constant blessing, constantly, where the life of his kingdom and his spirit in us is just constantly flowing out into lives that we meet throughout our days. Even the strangers that we get in line next to or are next to as we're driving down the road, Jesus intends for us to learn from him how to actually be people who are means of this blessing from his kingdom that comes through us into other people. This is for our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. But we know that Jesus' teaching on blessing goes way beyond people that we enjoy. Right? Listen to what he says in Luke 6, 27 and 28. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. We are called to will what is good for others, even for those who would seek our harm. Clearly, this would be people also that we just don't really enjoy, right? That they would also be included. So I want to pause here just for a minute. Who is that person for you, I wonder? Who is it that maybe intentionally or maybe just passively you've been withholding blessing from lately? Someone who irritates you or has hurt you? Maybe right now someone with different political views because that seems to be the constant point of tension for people? Who is it that you're withholding blessing from? Now perhaps this prayer and this morning could be a first step taking it towards a person who you know that you have been withholding blessing from that you need to not anymore because it's stealing life from you as you withhold it and it's stealing life from them as you don't give it to them. That's my prayer is that for me and for all of us, God would bring someone to mind even as I'm talking that we just know I need to be blessing this person and that's going to start with me praying this prayer for them today. And the reason that we ask the Lord to bless, remember this is the Lord who does this, is that really when we think about doing what is really good for other people, God is the only one who can bring that to pass. He's the only one who can truly bring what is really good into another person's life. Because ultimately, as Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, blessing and being blessed, being well off, being rich, is directly related to a person's connection with God and participation in the kingdom of God. If you belong to him and are in turn living in his kingdom, you are blessed no matter your life circumstances. That's why we go to God for the people that we love because we know that he's the one that can bring that for them. The second part that you have memorized, the Lord keep you. The word keep here is referring primarily to protection. So as the Lord brings what is good into a person's life, that includes protection, guarding, preserving them from evil and any harm that would come about that would prevent them from experiencing God's blessing. So for me, it brings to mind a shepherd with sheep. So the shepherd leads the sheep to green pasture, still waters that are flourishing. And then the shepherd is on guard for the wolf or for the cliff or for whatever danger would come upon those sheep. That's what this blessing is getting at here when it says the Lord keep you. Now, you might have something very specific that comes to mind that you want to pray for the person you're praying this over. A very specific thing that they need guarding and protection or maybe deliverance from. But you don't need to know. 
specifically what they need because you can trust that God as shepherd knows better than we do. We can just pray his protection over people and trust that he knows how to do it and what they need protection from. Like I said earlier, this is all an anticipation of what we would receive in the gospel of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in John 10. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, we can have forgiveness and deliverance from what would really harm us. I have in mind here sin and death and Satan, the evil one. Through Jesus, we have deliverance and protection from those things, and we can be delivered from him, from them. And surely the abundant life that Jesus talks about has to be a life that is full of God's blessing and protection. So let's go on to the next line of prayer. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. So as humans, our faces shine when we're taking delight at what we're looking at. When I'm looking at something that I'm taking delight in it, my face shines. So for example, think about going to pick someone up from the airport who you haven't seen for a while. Or maybe you're just getting to see some family that you've been apart from from a long time. When you see them, your face shines. Another example that came to my mind was a groom standing in front of the church as the bride comes down the aisle. The groom's face shines. Or maybe watching a grandparent look at a grandchild play. And you know that that grandparent's face is shining because they are just delighting in the delight of their grandchildren as they play. So that's what we're praying and asking God for, his shining face, that he would be delighting in the people we're praying for. And whenever we read about God's face in the Bible, it actually just means God's presence, God's nearness with us. So God's face shining upon someone is God's presence in their life and his pleasure with them. Think about that with Jesus. How does that anticipate Jesus, God's presence and pleasure? Very early on in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus, God took on human flesh and came into the world right, right up next to us, physically present with us, and opened the way for anyone who would put their trust in him to actually abide in him and have communion with him throughout life, throughout their days. Being with God is actually what brings joy and delight. Psalm 1611 says, Fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore are found in him as we live next to him. So asking for the Lord's shining face is then expanded upon. So actually in each one of these pairings, the second request takes the first request and deepens it. It happens in each line. So God's shining face is then deepened by a request that he would be gracious to us, that God would bring grace into our lives. A common way of explaining what grace is, is to say that grace is God's unmerited favor. And I kind of half like that definition. I like that it gets at that God's grace is never earned by us. We don't convince him to give it to us. Like we kind of do that with other humans sometimes. We do a favor for them and then they do a favor for us or we give them a gift They give us a gift. We are never in a position with God where we are giving him something that is not already his. We don't ever get to earn his grace. 
So grace is unmerited favor, yes. But I want to add another definition that grace is God's action on our behalf. Grace is God's action on our behalf. And this action includes forgiveness. It includes healing. It includes new life, the eternal kind of life that we live every day. But it also includes things that go beyond our initial conversion experience. It includes his empowering, his spirit that lives in us. God's action on our behalf works in and through us to accomplish things that we could never accomplish on our own. Things that go way beyond our human efforts or even our human imagination. So when we're praying this part of the prayer, we're asking that God would bring his presence into those people in our life who we love, his loving pleasure with them, and that their life would be full of his action on their behalf. Are you blowing away? I am up here. Goodness. Finally, the last pair of requests. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Asking God to do that, to lift up his countenance upon them, is to say, God, would you look right at them? Would you turn your face and just focus right on the person that I'm praying for right now? Some scholars think it's the equivalent of saying, God, would you smile upon this person? Would you, again, be near them and smile on them, which is God's affection. We're asking for him to love them and to take pleasure in them. We're asking them, God, to bring into these people's lives that we're praying for the very thing they were made for. The very thing all of us were made for was to experience God's presence every day of our life. That's what he made us for. To be in communion with him as we go about the various activities of our day. And that's what we want for those we care for. A friend of mine told me years ago, my main job, Robbie, are you all right up here? Do you need to intervene? Okay. Things are tipping over behind me if you can't see that at home. A friend told me once that our main job every morning when we wake up is to adjust ourselves to the reality that we are living in God's presence. When we wake up in the morning, we need to adjust ourselves to the reality that we are living in God's presence. This prayer and this blessing makes it so clear that that's what God intends for us to experience every day. The blessing of knowing him and being in his presence right now. Right now. It doesn't say the Lord make his theoretical face shine upon you someday. Or the Lord lift up his theoretical countenance upon you someday. Maybe after you die. No, it's actually right now that we are meant to experience his presence, to experience his shining face upon us. The problem, though, for me, and I'm sure for many of you, is that there are times and sometimes even seasons when God does not feel near. There are times and seasons where God can feel actually very distant and very aloof to what is going on in our lives. And I want you to hear that this morning. If that's you, if you're hearing me talk about God's presence and you're thinking, I don't experience that and I don't, he just feels far from me. I want you to hear two things right now. One is that you are not alone in that. Like I said, I have experienced it. I've had seasons where God doesn't feel very near. 
And I know there are people here and at home who are experiencing that same thing right now. So you are not alone if that's what you're experiencing. And two, if you belong to Jesus, this is what is true. God is in fact, in reality, in truth, near you right now, no matter if you feel him or not. He is near you. So what can we do, though, if that is our experience or that's the experience of someone we really love? We know they are not feeling him. They don't sense that God is near him, them at all. This picture came to my mind as I thought about that this week. Have you ever noticed that in the winter, unlike right now, sometimes the brightest, clearest days when the sun is shining, like piercingly so that you have to put sunglasses on, it's on those days that it actually feels the coldest. Have you noticed that? You can have these winter days where it's blindingly light outside and you turn your face towards the sun that you can see and you feel nothing on it at all. But you still know the sun is shining because you have eyes that you see it with. What I would say is when we cannot feel God's presence like we want to, we can't feel his warmth, his shining face on our own face, that is when we need to see him with eyes of faith that are gazing at what is true from the word of God. It is in those moments that we need to be seeing with eyes of faith what is true, what we're reading this morning, that God is near, that he is present. And we need to hear other people remind us of that so that our eyes of faith can see even when we cannot feel. And then we ask him, God, I want to feel you. I want to know your presence in a way that I don't yet. And we trust and wait with anticipation that he will hear that prayer and that he will be tangibly present in your life. So we've arrived at the last of the six requests. Remember I said this blessing builds and builds and builds and builds till we get to this word. Peace. Peace. The word in Hebrew is the word shalom, which you may have heard before. This is a really rich word. The peace that's talked about here is not peaceful feelings of tranquility. It's not just a feeling of peacefulness. It's something richer and thicker than just peacefulness. It means completeness, well-being, or wholeness. It's a state of being where things are as they ought to be, where you do not lack anything. Did you see that catch? Wow. (laughs) Jesus promised this for us, that we would have peace from God. Listen to this, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And listen to Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that we're praying for in this passage is the peace that we receive through faith in Jesus. And that is what we want for all of our friends and for our family. That peace leads to peace with God, like I just read, but it also leads peace between each other. And then it also leads to peace within, actually peace with yourself, which is an amazing gift. So we're on to the last verse now, verse 27. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So as Aaron and his sons, the priests, blessed the people of Israel with these words, 
they were putting God's name upon the people. And what that meant was God owned them. God's name upon them was God's ownership of them, that they were his unique people. They belonged to him. And what that meant was that all the things in this blessing were going to be true for them because these things are true for God's people. He promises it and intends it for his people. And we belong to God through Jesus. We belong to God in the same way through Jesus. We were bought with a price, the price of God's son's life. And then the last words, I will bless them. When I read it, I like italicize the words, the word will in my mind. I will bless them. It's like God just wanted to make sure as he told this to Moses and then to Aaron and to the people that they could have confidence. This wasn't Moses' idea. This wasn't Aaron's idea. This was his idea that he would bring to pass. And when God makes a promise, he brings it to pass. When life is falling apart, this is what we need to hear. We need to hear his promises and be assured that God has not left us. When life is falling apart, when the light of hope that is in you has just dimmed to a light flicker, what we need is this truth and promise to put wind and air upon that flicker to make it burn bright again so that the hope within us does not get extinguished. We need these blessings and this promise And God goes out of his way over and over again in scripture to remind us, when I've said it, I will do it. You can count on it. And that's what he's doing here. So years ago, a friend told me that as I studied scripture, when I got done studying a passage, I should try to put it in my own words. And I have found that to be a very helpful way of solidifying what I've learned about a passage. I did it with this one. and I want to read it to you right now. So hopefully some of the words that came out of me after studying it could make it even clearer to you this morning. So here's the blessing in my own words. Hear this good news. God has not forgotten you. God in Jesus Christ has come near to you. May he bring goodness into your life and protect you from all that would harm you. May he be near you and pleased with you, showering you with his transforming grace his favor, his powerful action on your behalf. And may he gaze upon you, give you his peace and wholeness, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. We're going to do a little more participation, friends. So we already memorized part of it. I'm not going to have you memorize any more of it right now, but I do want us to practice giving and receiving a blessing this morning. So I'm going to ask you, in a minute here, to stand with me. And I'm going to pray through the prayer twice. And I'll do it phrase by phrase. And I'd like you, if you're you're with one other person this morning, first one person prays the blessing over the other person, and then we'll pray it again, and the other person prays it over that person. Because there's something that we need to learn about giving the blessing, but also about receiving it. If you're like me, when someone prays this over you, it's very moving, but it's actually kind of like powerful in an awkward way. And I want you to experience God's power and even the unsettling nature of someone looking right at you and blessing you this morning. If you're with a group of people, try pairing up. If you're with a family, maybe one person prays this blessing over the whole family 
and then someone else from the family prays it over that person. If you are by yourself here this morning, you're sitting by yourself, I know that we're being cautious about distancing. So if you're not comfortable getting near another person, I want you to do this. If you're at home as well and you're by yourself, do this. Bring to mind someone that you know needs blessing in your life. And when I pray it out loud, pray it out loud for that person. And then the second time I pray, I will be praying this blessing over you. Okay, so let's stand with me. Okay. I'll go phrase by phrase so you do not need to read it. You can just focus on saying the blessing and remember you are projecting the goodness of God's kingdom and power and love into the lives of these people that you're blessing. It's a real gift. Here we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Okay, now let's switch roles. And I'm praying this over you at home if you're by yourself or if you're here seated by yourself. This is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.